Testing. Okay. Uh, all you people in there getting coffee, let's let's come in here and sit down, will you? I go I go and pray for you first. Oh shoot. Okay. Yes. Pray. <laughs> you right, buddy? Oh man. Shoot. Okay. What was that? Okay. <laughs> okay, let's let's pray. Our dear Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We come before your throne of grace again, Lord, and thank you, praise you for everything that you've done for us and do for us. Thank you for your your mercy for us. And uh, thank you for your salvation through your, your son, Jesus Christ. And just uh, help us to uh, think on you tonight as we're singing, worship you, and uh, learn something in your word in Daniel tonight. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What, what do we sing? Oh, yeah. Like a, like a river glorious. I forgot. <laughs> Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper God's, oh, what did I do? Well, I don't know where you're going. Oh, is it, isn't, there, isn't there a chorus? There is a chorus. Okay. Is this the chorus? Okay. Chorus. <laughs> like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase perfect yet it floweth fuller every day perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand never can follow, never traitor stand, not a surge. Oh, that's okay. We're, we're just doing the verse. <laughs> not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry, touch the spirit there. Oh, there's the chorus. There's the chorus. That's not the chorus. That's chorus 1A. That's not the chorus in the hymn. Okay. Let's just sing this, however it works. So what What are you going to play? I'll play what I played last time. Okay. Okay. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace overall victorious in its bright increase. Amen.
<laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, it started, right? Yeah, we're on already, huh? I think it is comedy night because I can't get this thing to come up. Yeah, I'm going to have to. All right. <clears throat> so how's everybody doing tonight? <clears throat> so Daniel chapter 10. <clears throat> now my voice is all over the lot. <clears throat> so I'm going to need you guys to read some scripture for me tonight. And um, we're going to fill in the blanks while you guys read scripture, if you would. So there's three remaining chapters in the book of Daniel that we haven't looked at yet. And they all combine to make one unifying thought. Um, this part of the book of Daniel, and, and this is in your notes, is probably the least read and least studied because it is is very much controversial in the prophecy and the approach to those things. Um, there's, there's hardly anything, probably and less than anything else, like these three chapters in all the Bible together. <clears throat> it unfolds in some detail at the end of the time of the Gentiles, but those events are what's going to happen in that 70th year or 77th last of those years, the 70th week at the return of Christ that we've talked about, okay? So in this last message, this last vision that Daniel receives, it's, it's revealing all things, and, and we're going to talk about that. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, it's worse than I thought. So if someone would read Daniel 10, 1 through 3 for me. And if you don't want to read it from the sheet, that's fine. But if you would, uh, tell me which version you're reading from if it's not from the sheet. One through three? three? Yeah, one through three. Uh, NASB. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the message was true, and it concerned great conflict. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Okay. One difference in that rendering and the rendering that we have here in the NIV. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dun, dun, dun. Friday, Friday. <laughs> um, did we get it fixed yet? No, not really. Huh? Now? Is that better? Okay. Um, there's a specific date. The difference is in that second part, but the time appointed was long. He's talking about specific time frames. There's a specific date introduced at this front of the end of this chapter. And it, it talks about another time and periods involving time. There's numerous incidents, and this is in your notes too. And you can read some of those. You can go back and read some of those if you want to. Uh, 
in Revelation that, that reveal involving specific times. Uh, the birth of Isaac in Genesis, the bondage of Israel in Genesis, the Exodus, the birth of John the Baptist in Luke. There's specific time frames with specific things tied to those time frames. So that's the reason it, it talks about the time frame itself, just so you understand that. Israel, Israel's 70 years of captivity are coming to an end. And in actuality, when, when Daniel is really getting this vision, theologians and scholars believe it was actually two years later, which would be about 72 years into it. But we'll talk about that in greater detail in a second. Daniel had reached the old age of 90 years old, approximately. And the text that he's talking about when he says the thing, the thing that was revealed, the thing that's true, uh, the, the thing is the entire, it means the whole revelation. He's getting, he's getting the total picture of everything he's seen up to this point. So now it's starting to make sense to him. He's being able to render, render it and understand it better. Um, but that whole vision that he's talking about, he's come to understand is in the, the distant future. It's far, far away. Even though for Israel, he's not sure exactly when all that's going to be completed because their time of exile is up. So he's, he's, he's zeroing in on this stuff and he's starting to understand it. Would someone read Ezra 1, 1 through 4 there for me, please? What just happened right there? In those four verses from Ezra, what just took place? Fulfillment of a prophecy. Okay, fulfillment of a prophecy. It's prophesied and that's when the time starts. Okay, that's when the time starts. But but what what technically did King Cyrus do? He let the people go. Now, all of Israel has the opportunity to go back home, but they don't. That's why Daniel was brokenhearted. That's why he was mourning for three weeks. This proclamation was made by King Cyrus, and, and they knew the time frame for that had ended, and they could all go back home, and they could start rebuilding the temple, rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls. We see the walls being rebuilt in Nehemiah. All those things could take place, but... They didn't go. A majority of them did not go. Um, and that's why Daniel was brokenhearted. Uh, Cyrus had issued the decree with Daniel's people that they could return. And from the 12 tribes of Israel in captivity, only 49,697 are said to go. And we see it in Ezra 2, 64 and 65. The whole company that returned 
was 42,360 uh, 42, besides their 7,337 man servants and maid servants. And they also had 200 men and women singers. Out of the whole nation of Israel that went into captivity, those were the only ones that went back initially. That's why he's so burdened. Um, Zerubbabel took the first, led the first group back in the first deportation. And they laid the foundation for the temple. But they didn't do much else because there was so much friction with some of the people that were there. And we know that from the stories when we read those. But Daniel's heart was so burdened, he wouldn't eat the sweet breads. He wouldn't eat the, the rich foods. He wouldn't even adorn himself and anoint himself with anything external because he felt internally he was brokenhearted. So why was he going to make his external appearance any better? And why was he going to smell any better? Because that's basically what they did with the anointing oils is they made yourself smell better. It'd be like us not wearing deodorant for three weeks. You know, we got to think about it like that. Um, so there's, there's some issues there that Daniel's dealing with. <clears throat> and he's trying to, trying to really understand it better. Um, how often do we grieve over the suffering uh, and adversities of the people of God? Just a question for thought. Daniel really did. And it was because of his sadness, he was really struggling. And he decided not to do any of those things. Um, I think it's interesting as we read and we wrap up Daniel, if you look at it, at the beginning of his ministry, what did he do? He didn't allow himself to eat certain foods or do certain things because he wanted to maintain his purity to his God. Now he's doing the same thing because of his grief, because of the impurity of his people. So it's a struggle for him. Um, would someone read verses 4 through 9 for us there, please? <clears throat> Can you put this picture in your mind? Here's a 90-year-old saint. He's got all this company, the vision, and they run away. 
And he's standing there by himself facing this vision. So, of course, he's going to be fearful and fall down on his face. But his strength left him. We just read he hadn't eaten hardly anything, if anything, in three weeks. He'd fasted and mourned and prayed. So he wasn't physically strong as he typically would have been or should have been. The, the time and geographical location is in those verses. It's set up there. It helps identify where they're at. But it, it, there's some important facets here. In the fourth and 20th day of the first month would include the Passover. The uh, 14th day of the month on Abib was that month. But the Passover itself would be held uh, on that day. And, and um, the unleavened feast of the bread from Nehemiah, you can read it, would be happened on Nisan, which would be approximately the uh, uh, 15th day. So you're looking at all this in the festival days those festival days com commemorated the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. So all this is a culmination of everything that's happening. But, but Daniel, he may have been mourning partially because of that. He may have been fasting partially because of that leading up to that time. But it was also because of his Jewish brothers and sisters that were not returning back to Israel. So there's a lot going on with this poor guy. Um, there's a lot of controversy in this, these passages as far as their determination of, of the certain man, the coming of that certain man. And the place, <coughs> the Hidekel River, is, is not the Euphrates River. It's thought to be the Tigris right outside of Babylon. And I just lost what I had. Where'd my sound go, guys? Did my battery die? Oh, there it is. Okay. My battery died. <laughs> um, yeah, my strength has left me. Yeah. Yeah, you guys probably wish it would. Um, there, uh, this certain man, it, it's almost a 50-50 split between the scholars and the theologians as far as what this meant. 50% um, believe it's a representation of the Lord Jesus. Another 50% believe it's, it's, it's uh, an angel. And I'll tell you some of the background as to why. Um, the problem is uh, it's, it's, some attempts have been made to say it's a, a theophany uh, or, or a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus, a visible manifestation of the Lord. And it's, it's, it's thought, here's part of the problem. Those who hold the view of the man of Daniel's vision as a created angel do so mainly on the ground that he needed help of Michael. That's why they say they don't believe it was um, an angel, or they do believe it was an angel, because 
God himself, Jesus himself, would not need the help of an, even an archangel. But the flip side of that coin is if he was in his pre-incarnate state, or his post-carnate state, I should say, it may be in more in his human form that he needed that help. So this, this controversy bounces back and forth between the theologians. Um, and there's an explanation there in your notes. Daniel did not see Christ in a pre-incarnate form. He saw him in a post-incarnate Christ as Moses and Elijah saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. There is a close comparison between Daniel 10.7 and Acts 9.7. And you can look at those. Um, but the writer of Hebrews made a statement. And it's an interesting statement. We should not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Even Jesus, when he walked the road to Damascus, had angels with him. So it's, it, it, it's, it's a tough call. But it could be that he was more of a post-incarnate vision that he saw. But there's, there's a lot of controversy around that. So you have to decide for yourself what you think that would be or not be. Um, in Genesis 18, <coughs> we see the Lord was visited Abraham in the company of two angels, also Manoah's wife in Judges 13. And Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So they talk about that. The question has been asked, though, does an angel appear in bodily form? Well, let's think about that for a second. The writers of Hebrews said that they do in 13. They can appear in human form. But if you look at Genesis 18, the Lord visited Abraham and the company of those two angels again. But if he came back as a post-configuration of Jesus, he would have had angels with him, or angels possibly attending him too. So you have to decide for yourself. Um, the angels being described without the body, the Lord rose from the dead and was transfigured. Angels could have a heavenly figure. Look at what Luke 24 and 37, 39 said. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They're, they're speaking about the apostles and Jesus now. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is my I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as I see, as you see I have. So that's a questionable possibility there. But also in 1 Corinthians 15.40, he goes on and he talks about <clears throat> the fact that there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of body, heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. Angels were present in the created world. We know that. We see that in, all the way back in Job tells us that they even predate creation. So the prophetic scriptures are pretty clear in stating that angels will attend Christ while he, when he comes on earth, especially when he comes again. So we just need to keep that in mind. So there's one kind of bodies for angels. 
but they can be transformed into another kind of mud. So it's questionable which way that was. Those great events <coughs> that, that come together in regard to his birth, Jesus' birth, you see all those things there? They are associated with um, his birth, the temptation, the transfiguration, the resurrection. All those prophetic scriptures are clear stating that angels are going to come to attend him again. Um, here's, here's my thought. <clears throat> I find it hard to comprehend how his omnipotence and his personage can know weakness if he came in the form of Christ himself. But the flip side of that coin, if he came in his pre-incarnate state, not his post-incarnate state, then I can see where his physical weakness might be there. So you, you have to look at that. Um, but I find it interesting that all those that were with him didn't see the vision, but they felt the terror. They were afraid. They trembled, and they ran away, and they hid. That's some buddies to have with you, right? Um, he was left alone, and he had to confront this vision all by himself. So who was the certain man? Um, First Corinthians tells us, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see a face to face, see face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. What does all that mean to this scripture? It means we just don't really know. That's what it means simply. Um, we can look at it and we can analyze it and we can try to figure it out. But even Daniel was struggling with it at that particular time. So I think it's interesting that in verses 11 and 19, and we haven't got to 19 yet, it says the prophet of God was left alone, and the man with a humble and contrite heart is the man greatly loved. Daniel was a man greatly loved. And we're, we're talking about prayer and it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, Daniel was a humble guy. We've seen his humility all throughout this book so far. And it, it's interesting to me that as he prays, he understands and he sees what's happening before it ever happens. He understands a lot of what we don't understand. So the communication with the angel is this. He said, and behold, a hand touched me, now Daniel's still talking, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Now he's on his knees and he's on his hands, and he said unto me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he has spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. So he's, he's up but he's still fearful. He's trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to hasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, 
and I am come for thy words. Now, what did he say right there in that last part? From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. What's he saying? Yeah, that's it. From the very first day, God heard, God responded, and sent the angel to him then. they believe. Listen, think about this. You've got a 90-year-old guy. He hasn't eaten much of any food in three weeks. He's laying prostrate on the ground. He's, he's in completed state of exhaustion, and God sent an angel to minister to him and stand him on his feet because he was so fearful and he was so exhausted. What is God preparing him for? God's preparing him, I believe, so he'd be capable to receive and understand the vision and have the interpretation that he needs to give to the people. The angel testified in verse 12 that his words, he came because of his words, because of Daniel's prayer. And he came to minister to him. In times of human weakness, even God himself, our Savior, had angels minister to him. So the angel gave him assurance, but, Daniel, uh, but his strength was gone. I mean, it's, he was completely exhausted. Um, in 1 Peter... 5.5, five, God resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Daniel was that humble guy once again. We know that. Um, God sent that angel to Daniel, and he said, fear not. We know he was weak. We know he was fearful. But how many times in Scripture have we heard that comment, fear not? A lot. A lot. And it wasn't just for the fear of the angel. It was the fear of the things that were going on around them or at the time they were having to deal with those things. We read it earlier in the book of Daniel that Daniel was fearful of what was happening with his nation during their captivity. But he says once again, fear not, Daniel. And the angel gives him assurance, the angel gives him strength, and the angel tells him that he's there to minister to him. So Daniel began to pray three weeks earlier, right? But the angel didn't get there quickly. When you get an answer to prayer, and this is in your notes, you can cheat and look if you want to, when you get an answer to prayer, you have three options. You either get a direct, quick response, you get a delayed response, or you get a, a no. What's the one hardest to tolerate? The no? 
Who said something over here? Wait? Delayed. We're going to talk about that Sunday. Just, just a little plug right there. We're going to talk about that. Because I believe the hardest one to deal with is the delay or the wait. Because you just don't know. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give away one of my tidbits from Sunday. You think about this. How long did Abraham wait for a son? How old was he when he had a son? But 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 when he had when he had his real son by his wife, not the handmaid. How long did he wait? Ninety nine years. So how would you know if that's a no or a delay? Because God gave him a promise, right? He said, "You will be you will be the father of a great nation." He waited 99 years for a son. But sometimes God does that to us so that we can stay faithful. Because we don't know if it's a yes or a no. Or just okay, no. don't steal all my sermon. You better be here. <laughs> um, we, we we have to think about, I mean, that's a great question, Ed, it really is, but there's times when we don't know if it's, if it's, if it's a delay or if it's a no. And that's where faith, as Aura said, comes in. How, it, that's part of the waiting. I, I, the way I do it is if I pray for something, I don't get a direct answer real quick. He will do it one way or another, deny it, whatever, and then you'll know. But if you sit there and worry over grip, you know, bite your teeth and stuff, that's tedious. That's, that's not the way you're supposed to act. That's your way you're supposed to be. And see, part part of part of Sunday's message is what do we do while we wait? Yeah. Yeah, but but you're right. Are we praying in God's will? Or are we praying out of God's will? It's like Sunday morning, a couple of Sundays ago. I, I know you, you weren't here, but we gave we gave the example of the difference between a want, a desire, and a need. Well, the problem is we can pray in God's will for a need, but if we move from a want to a desire, that desire may not be in God's will. So we have to, it's a balance. You have to balance it out. And, and we use the example of a car. You know, you may need a car for transportation to get to work. You may want a new car 
you may desire a Mercedes Benz. Yeah, a new Mercedes Benz. Yeah, yeah. But see, there's 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 the difference. And and one one thing you pray for, it's a similar product. It's a similar thing. The one need you pray for that may be within God's will. But praying for the the the, the desire, the top end of it, that may be out of God's will, because then you have to take care of it and you have to maintain it and you have to, it may be beyond your financial possibility of taking care of it and maintaining it. There's all these things that sometimes we don't think about. We just see what we want and what we desire. We, well, I'm praying God's will, but are we really? That could be too. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we all do. I think we all do. I've, I've got a statement in there that there's, there's, there's no, um, um, basis or foundation in your notes for fear in the heart of a trusting person, a trusting believer. But, those fears will raise their ugly head. And even though we can be praying within God's will, sometimes it'll be fearful because we have that delay. We start wondering, you know, what's the holdup? No, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Why isn't it happening? And not so much that we worry, but we start second guessing what we're praying for. So we don't knock Debbie said a minute ago, we're told to keep knocking. We're told to keep praying. So we stop praying because we think, well, it's not going to happen anyway. So when you say that to yourself, are you really trusting? It's not going to happen anyway. No, your faith just went right out the window. There you go. So you, but Daniel wasn't that way. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, we have to wait for the response. And we're going to get into greater detail. These two sort of tied together with what I had in mind for Sunday. But I don't want to go too deep off that end because of Sunday's message. Um, but the truth in Daniel's statement is a believer who desires the will of God and who has confidence in the wisdom and power of God knows he will receive what he asks. Now, will it be exactly what you ask? Maybe not. Shall we? That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing how God answers prayer sometimes. And, and it may not be what we're anticipating or what we're expecting, but he'll still answer the prayer. 
And sometimes it's way better than we could ever anticipate or expect. What's kind of trying at first is if you have enough intercessory prayer, pray, praying for other people, and you see some of those prayers being answered, but the one you got hasn't been answered yet, you uh, that's a test. You know, you have to keep praying anyway, and you have to keep saying, I'm not going to quit intercessory prayer because good things are happening. Mm hmm and I'm not going to worry about myself because he's going to take care of it or he's not. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. That's right. That's what I found happening. That's right. There's a statement there. When God's will becomes our will, we are enabled to express our minds boldly without fear and embarrassment. Um, he hears us, and that time of promise is on his timing, not our timing. Sometimes that's the reason for the delay. Sometimes the delay is to test our faith. Sometimes the delay is because we get in our own way. Like Abraham. We try to fix it ourselves. We try to fix it ourselves. The answer to your prayers may seem long in coming, but as a matter of our faith, they are exactly, actually ours at the time of our asking. Just like, <clears throat> just like Daniel's were. He prayed and right away he sent the angel, but the angel was delayed. It wasn't that God actually delayed the prayer or the answer to the prayer. Satan tried to delay it. So we have to, you have to consider different aspects of why there's a delay. That's my whole point. Okay. Um, questions, thoughts about any of this tonight? Scripture tells us we can come boldly to the throne of grace and pray, right? So we shouldn't, we shouldn't let that bother us. Next time, we're going to talk about the conflict in the spirit world. It's taken place with this situation going on with Daniel. God be willing. Okay. Come into his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. heart. Come into his courts with praise. Amen. If you're not doing that, are you going to get to the throne? Not as fast. Perhaps not, yeah. True, very true. Would you like to? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't asking for a prayer request. <laughs> praise is prayer request. not dismayed whatever betide God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide God will take care of you God will take care of you through every day or all the way he will take care care of you. God will 
take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Amen. But let's pray. Our dear Father, we thank for this evening, Lord, and uh, Lord, uh, forgive my foibles, and uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, go with us as we go our separate ways and protect us, Lord, uh, have some of those angels with us, <laughs> uh, going along with us down the road, and Lord, we just uh, pray that you would help us to come back the next time to church, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, this is great.